Welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. You didn't think we'd be here, did you? No, because there's no race to review, but we're still here. That's how dedicated we are to F1. We give up our Sundays to talk to you guys. Um, On the show today, we are going to be talking about the 2021 F1 season. Uh, We're going to do this in two parts. Uh, And in this show, we're going to talk about the bottom eight teams. And then on the next show, which will be released on Christmas Day, we are going to review the season for Red Bull and Mercedes and the four drivers within those teams. On this show, we have got Bridge. How are you? I'm all good, Ollie. I'm all good. I'm ready to defend Ferrari, that's for sure. Okay, okay. Uh, they've been doing some defending this season, haven't they? Um, Abby, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. I'm ready to refresh my memory of what's happened in 2021. Yeah, it's um, it, 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 it has been a stressful season and a long season. Um, and James, how are you? Now, James, you have a little talent. So before we, we started recording, um, <laughs> we were obviously planning the show. And we're going to do this show in reverse order, well, the teams in reverse order of where they finished. So we'll start at the bottom of the table and work our way up. Uh, James, you then announced that you have a special talent and you're going to have to show us. um, Well, explain and then show us. Yes. Well, one of my more pointless talents would be being able to say the alphabet backwards pretty quickly. Go for it. never come up. And this is probably its first official debut. And it's fine. You'll, you'll edit it, yeah, if I get it the wrong excuses anyway. excuses are coming out already. I don't think I'll know if you get it wrong. <laughs> All right. Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wouldn't even know if that was correct. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even know. You started you with Z. reverse it, yeah? Started with Z, ended, ended with A. a. Wow. Well, and don't I have no idea when I learned to do that. Honestly, no. Like I didn't sit down as a kid or anything. I, I just at some point it was like a, a like a get out of a drunken challenge or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's that's fine. <laughs> I mean, I can count backwards, but that's about it. So when you do this, right? Do you have to think about it, or do you just have you just memorized what it is about? No, I think I I think I picture the alphabet. Like I, I visualize it and work from right to left. Wow, this I'm is going, going to make the our season a lot easier. Can you picture the F1 season <laughs> from, uh, from from the beginning to now? Well, it's a lot easier to do it from the end to the beginning because we all know what happened on the very last lap, didn't we? But we'll save that for next show. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so um, we're going to start with Haas. So let, let, let's get cracking. So Haas F1 team. Um, it's been a bit of a journey for them. Um, their two drivers finished in uh, 20th and 19th. That is the bottom of the table. Um, and some of the results were, uh, well, most of the results sort of stand by that uh, that pattern. Um, I'm just trying to look through here and see if they had any results that were better than last and, not, and second last. There are a couple, but um, 
Let's start with Nikita Mazepin. So he went into this year as the villain. Let's not forget. Let's not forget what happened before this season. He he wasn't Mister Popular, was he? Um, what do you guys pull out from Nikita Mazepin's season, James? I'm going to start with you. Well, he, he was actually 21st, wasn't he? He's not even 20th. I think Kibitza nicked 20th off him in his two races. I think you're right. That, so that kind of sums it up, really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you say? I mean, yeah, there's not a lot you could do with that car, but he was still a second off Mick at most races during qualifying and then a long way behind him in the race. But I know there's a little devil's advocate on the podcast who has before said he thinks he's going to have a decent season next year. Bridge, I'll throw to you to defend him. Look, I'm, I'm not going to stand up and say that Nikita is better than Mick or that he's, you know, mid-pack material. But I think he's got a little bit more in him. I think he's got a little bit more in him that the Haas car has just not allowed him to show It wouldn't be hard, would it? I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be hard. But I did, I did, he had a 14th place finish, was his highest finish this year. It was in Baku and it was because the other six cars decided not to finish, but that's irrelevant. He finished the race. So... I feel like he could do better next year. With a with an improving Haas car, I feel like he's got a lot to offer. So, um, he's definitely improved over the season. I, I think it would be wrong if, if we didn't um, give him that. Um, I mean, he, he was... I mean, was it Crofty who called him Mazespin? I think it was. Um, so we're not being offensive. Crofty said it. Um, you know, he, I think he spun off in pretty much every session in his first three races... Um, he he was uh, he was certainly a bit of a joker in the grid, and yeah, he he has. I would say he, he he's 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 improved. Um, he's also blocked a lot of people. He's annoyed a lot of uh, world champions um, due to his blue flag um, uh, etiquette. Let's say. But let's talk about his teammate, Mick Schumacher, the son of Michael Schumacher. Uh, again, he is a rookie, the first year in F one. He's he's had a bit more time in the action though, hasn't he? So, what were the sort of key moments for for you guys for um, the Schumacher? I think uh, Hungary is when he showed he, himself as a as an actual Formula One driver. I think uh, you know he he defended against Lewis for I think a lap, maybe a couple, but um, but yeah, I think that's where we saw him as you know as an F two world champion. Will we see it next year? I, I'm not convinced. He kind of disappeared towards the end of the season, but that again, yeah, that might be because of the car. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about him. Well, he managed. Was it in Turkey that he managed to get into Q2? I believe. I think it was Turkey that he managed to get there. But yeah, the Haas isn't great. We all know that. So they haven't had the best results. But that could mean that next year they will be better because the team have had more time to focus on the car and develop it rather than get wrapped up, in a sense, in all the high points finishes. So I think they will do better next year than this year. But we will see. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of his some of his race finish positions. Um, you, you, it's quite difficult with Haas because you're not sure if they finished in this position because everyone else retired or not. Um, off the top of your head, so um, he had he had a P13 finish in Azerbaijan, um, which, if I remember correctly, wasn't last on track. No, no, definitely not. I mean, he and Mazepin were both ahead of Lewis. 
I think, weren't they? So confirmed future goats. <laughs> Um, they're probably one waiting for a blue flag to come out and a bit confused about it. Um, like you've already mentioned, Bridge in Hungary, the incredible performance he put on there—that was a P12 finish. That was that was a real show that there is raw talent in there. Um, and other than that, I don't think there are any more special mentions. Um, a double DNF in Saudi Arabia. I think he he did. I mean, yeah, he undeniably schooled Mazepin over the, the course of the, the season. But he definitely crashed more. I mean, yeah, we all know, yeah, Mazepin, he spun five times at Bahrain, whatever. But Mick did put it in the wall a few times, didn't he? Monaco, um, <laughs> help me out with the others, but I know there were, there were a few of them. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I don't know if you guys are allow me to say it. But am I the only one that was kind of underwhelmed by Mick Schumacher this year? Like, he's, he's come in as an F2 world t- uh, champion, you know, same as George. I was expecting him to at least, you know, have a few battles with George over the season. You know, but he just, yeah, like James said, he spent more time crashing into stuff than actually having battles with anybody. I, I, I don't know if that's just me or... No, I mean, it, it, you know, he, he's, he's certainly struggled with the car and I think we have to call out that the Haas had absolutely no development this year. Um, they said, screw this. Yeah. Um, our car is so bad, even if we spent money on it, it's not going to get any better. So they didn't. Um, and, you know, from, from, from the things that we heard from the drivers, at times it was undrivable, um, especially in Bahrain. So I'm not sure if that's got, you know, that's what's playing into it. Um, but, you know, I think we have to finish on the fact that Haas did not score one point in the 21 season. That's a bit sad, isn't it? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, didn't, been... I, I, I didn't even think there was an opportunity for them to score a point, to be honest. There wasn't even opportunity, any, any opportunity throughout a 22-race yeah, season. You think about, I mean, how bad the Williams was in 2019 and Kubica still managed to get a point in the chaos at Germany. But they, even at Baku, yeah, they couldn't quite make it into the top 10, could they? Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Next year will be. It's it's hard to make much of what they've done this year. This, next year is their time to shine or fail. Basically, there's yeah. two drivers at least. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, the team in ninth uh, was Alfa Romeo with thirteen points. So th- I mean that oh, is big uh, leagues. It's a world away from Haas, isn't it? Let's be honest. It is. You know, <laughs> if. It's 13 times more. Well, is it? I was going to say 13 times more. <laughs> it's no, not, really not 13 times. <laughs> no, it's, it's infinitely. <laughs> yeah, it's infinitely more than um, has scored. So um, over to our drivers at Alfa Romeo. Obviously, we have Antonio Giovinazzi and the now retired Kimi Raikkonen. I think Kimi was just driving for a paycheck this season, to be honest. I think he was. Oh, yeah. It was just did you see that it, his predictions that came out today that he did <laughs> yeah. at the start of the season where he just went, Alvi W will be my favourite race because I'm leaving. Bye. It's, it's just <laughs> pure Kimmy. Yeah. Kimmy line. Um, so it was actually uh, Kimmy who, who well, he, he beat Antonio Giovinazzi by um, a fair amount. Antonio Giovinazzi finished the season on three points uh, with Kimmy on ten. Now... If we, if I'm just going to pick out a moment that I just really remember from Alpha this this season, it was in Austria 
at the end of the race when Kimi just decided to drive into Alonso um, randomly. Do you remember on the final lap? Yeah, yeah. Vaguely, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a while ago. There's been um, way too many crashes for me to remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, can't remember that far back. Right, I- I'll find the video and show it to you. Um, what other moments stand out for you guys for Alfa Romeo? It's not been a lot, is there? It's It's been pretty underwhelming. They've they've been there, but not quite there. And just kind of stuck between, obviously, Haas at the back and then just in no man's land. Never quite close enough for you to get in the points. Uh, same with Gio. He's shown he's shown the odd moment, but that's kind of been the case for all three seasons, hasn't it? He's never really done quite enough to... It's, it's sad to see him go. He seems like a nice guy, but I think he's probably had his time. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think he's... I mean, he's going to... I think he's Formula E now, isn't he? But um, I think the only time we actually saw Giovinazzi drive to his full potential was when his seat was at risk and that was the only time and then as soon as it was given to Guan Yu Zhou he kind of just was like okay all right well I'll just I'll just stop trying now and I think that's why they ultimately ended up uh, ninth is because they had two drivers in the car who didn't really want to be there (laughs) I've just got to correct uh, to add in a correction it was not Raikkonen and Alonso that crashed on the last lap it was Vettel um and I have found I have found it, and you you can only hear the audio because I'm not showing my screen. There was a bit of an incident on the last lap. I think Vettel uh, getting involved here as well, and Raikkonen and Russell obviously just up and here's Vettel getting the wrong Raikkonen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yes. I remember. Two very very good friends. Yes, it it would have been impossible to remember the crash that I quoted previously because it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no wonder I had some blank faces. But uh, this was where Raikkonen literally just. Strayed across to the right um, and just took both him and Vettel out. That really was um, something I was baffled by at the time. Uh, in terms of their, their their results, then, so they they've, they had a lot better results, funnily enough, than Haas did. Um, Kimi Raikkonen's top finish in the season was eighth. Um, that was in Russia, also in Mexico. Um, so. Not bad. He also had a ninth place finish. I mean, that's worlds away from what the Haas drivers had, isn't it? Sorry, I, I need to stop referring everything to Haas. We can't. We can't base the whole show <laughs> compared to. Yeah, Haas. I mean, they were they were better than Haas. So I good mean, job, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Ice Man, the Ice Man, did obviously outscore Giovinazzi. Um, he's left this season. Will he be missed by you guys? I mean, I think he'll be. I think he'll be more missed uh, missed in the press box more than anything else. I mean, those answers he used to give were brilliant. But um, but yeah, of course, well, of course, we'll miss him. He's a he's a world champion, and he was a deserved world champion. Um, so yeah, of course, we'll we'll miss Kimmy. Well, I'm not going to comment on on that bit. <laughs> was he a deserved world champion? Oh dear! Is this 2007 PTSD. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. God, I can hear the commentary in my head now. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'll miss Kimmy. I mean, you say he'll be missed in the in the in the um, in the media pen. I'm not so sure because you know, if you're a journalist and your job is to interview Kimmy, you'll talk, you'll ask him a two minute question, and you will get one answer. And did you guys hear his Beyond the Grid uh, podcast? 
I think I actually skipped that one because I thought it wasn't going to be great. <laughs> I, I, I was utterly baffled that they managed to get an hour out of him. Um, it's really interesting. It's the most I've ever heard Kimmy talk and actually open up about stuff. So we don't really promote other podcasts on this show, but that one is absolutely fantastic. Beyond the Grid with Kimmy Räikkönen. Next in the standings, we had Williams racing in eighth with 23 points, which is uh, more than Haas as well. Um, so we have G. Russ and uh, Nicholas Latifi. Let's call out some of the highlights here because uh, they've, they've had some moments this year. There have been some moments of greatness and there's been some moments of whichever word you want to use for the opposite of that. Um, I refer back to the Emilia Romanga. Romania Grand Prix, or you could just say... Um, Beautiful. Or you could just say... Um, which track is it? Imola. Or you could just say the Imola Grand Prix, um, where G. Russ took out Bottas. Um, what are the sort of the key highlights for you guys from, from uh, those two this year? George, in qualifying sessions, he did earn his nickname, Mr. Saturday, I think, and... He performed really well, and until Brazil, Russell had never been out-qualified by his teammate, which is amazing, I think. Yeah, he did go off the boil a bit after he got his Mercedes contract, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He quite literally took his foot off the gas pedal. He, li- he quite literally <laughs> took his foot off the gas. Yeah, he hadn't crashed into that. That was that was after he crashed into Bottas, wasn't it? That they gave him that contract, um, yeah. and mainly because he was about to overtake a Mercedes driver, legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. you've got to give the guy some credit. Abby, there were a lot of retirements this season for Williams. Um, how, how many did each driver have? I know you've got this info ready. I believe George Russell had six retirements, whilst Latifi had. Five? No. Was it five? Hang on. Cool, that's convincing. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we know what we're talking about. Uh, five? I have it in front of me. Just one, two. Uh, sorry. Yeah, five for Latifi. Five for Latifi. So uh, George Russell finished the season with 16 points in uh, 15th. Latifi in 17th. Um, we've called out that he was Mr. Saturday um, until until he got his Mercedes contract. Um, as we know, he will be off to Mercedes next year. Um, I think Russell had a cracking year, I really do. He put in some some mega drives, and he's really shown uh, why he, he, he should be moving to that Mercedes team. There was rumours about George actually going mid-season to Mercedes. Did any of you believe this, or did you think it was just media hype? I th- yeah, no, I, I didn't I didn't really believe it just because, you know, Bottas has done so much for that team over the time he's been there. I think it would be a bit of an insult to kick him out halfway through a season and practically demote him back to where they got him from. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I thought it was media hype, to be honest. Yeah, I never bought it. I think it didn't. It would have been too big a risk with them going for the constructors as well. And they would have been throwing George in at the deep end. It would potentially have been bad for him as much as he did well at Sake last season. But yeah, I, I never bought it. And um, have we have we covered uh, Williams's best result of the season? Did we cover that yet? No, not yet. 
So this this one's uh, slightly up for debate here. Um, what isn't up for debate was the position that George qualified in. Um, so he qualified in P2 for the Belgium Grand Prix, which was utterly unreal. I think we can say that that, that shocked everyone. Um, what, what, what do you what do you make of that qualifying bridge? I mean, to out qualify your new teammate who is in a faster car, a much faster car. In the wet, at at Spa is just unbelievable. That is it, it. That I think that drive earned him that Mercedes seat for next year, um, for sure, for sure. Um, uh, and because of that fantastic uh, qualifying, George got himself on the podium, didn't he? And sh- there shouldn't have been a damn podium. Let's all be honest here. The Belgium Grand Prix was um, what's the word? It begins with F. Has a C in it and ends in E. Um, anyone guess? Farce. Um, it really was the Belgium Grand Prix. But this is this is the proof of um, number one, Michael Massey having a real influence on the sport this year, and um, also of it does matter where you qualify. You know, a lot of people. You know, you hear Lewis, you hear Max say, "Oh, you don't get any points for your qualifying position." Well, hmm, you were proven wrong in Belgium. Sometimes you do, yeah. Indeed, uh, and yes, he also had a th- uh, th- a third start. He also started third in uh, Russia. I believe that was more due to other people in front of him having penalties, though, if I can remember correctly. That was the the chaotic, wet, dry one, wasn't it? That Lander got pole. So yeah, it was, yeah. It, it was fairly on merit, I think. Yes, it was. It was. I think it was quite similar to uh, Spa in the fact that the, th- the front three just got their car out at the right time. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's where Williams have actually been decent this year, is getting track position. I, I can only think of a couple of exceptions, but they have been pretty good at getting their car out at the right time and then allowing George to put in a good lap. So I think that's m- one of the main reasons that go under the radar of why he is Mr. Saturday at Williams. If he'll continue that next year against Lewis, up for debate. And uh, any highlights from Latifi, guys? I mean, I, I, I can... There's one low light that just one, seems yeah. to... Uh, What's that one? It's just lingering slightly. <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought his, his, his attempt at Turn 14 in Abu Dhabi was just brilliant. I thought, I thought, it, was, I thought it was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a little baffled over over that particular corner and how he did that to his car, where no one else ever had that problem. Um, God, it's not the time to go into it, is it? That that was a a strange one. It was a strange one. But Um, Latifi did get their best result of the season at that point, or arguably in any race that actually should have counted, in, in Hungary, didn't he? After the long, long wait for points for George, he got one-upped by his mate, who's supposed to be the pay driver. He did. Yeah, because Latifi finished P7, whilst George finished P8 in Hungary. And to be fair to George, that was a great bit of teamwork as well. That team radio of, like, push push Latifi ahead, yeah, compromise yeah. my race. That just shows that he's going to be a good teammate for Lewis next year. Well, if Lewis comes back. but, um, but Don't yeah. say that, Bridge. Lewis will come back. He has to. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I want to. I want to see George battle Lewis in the Mercedes. I want to see them go for it. Together. There's not going to be any battle in Abbey. I'm sorry. There's not going to be any of that. There could be. 
There may be there may be fisticuffs with uh, Latifi and uh, Hamilton. That's going to be the only battling we're going to see. Um, Latifi has been in in, uh, in in the media in the past few days. Well, he hasn't, but his name has over the abuse that he's been getting over that particular Abu Dhabi Grand Prix turn incident. Uh, and Verstappen has said, if he's smart, he'll turn off his phone. Uh, good advice, Verstappen. Helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you going to tell him if his phone's off? Um, <laughs> but that is uh, Williams. Next in seventh, we had the new team, if you call them new, or you could call them Racing Point, that have gone from pink to green. Uh, this was Aston Martin Cognizant Formula One team. Uh, they finished with 77 points. Uh, Verstappen. Verstappen Vettel, I was going to say. Uh, Sebastian Vettel uh, finished at 12th in the Drivers' Championship with 43 points. And Lance Stroll behind him in 13th with 34 points. Now, compared to the teams that we've spoken about, Haas being one of them, 77 points sounds like a very good result. But this is not a very good result for, um, well, for Racing Point, if, if you are going to consider them still that team. Or a brand new team with an Aston Martin logo on it. James, what did you make of this? Yeah, I mean, they they did so well last season. I mean, obviously there was all the con- controversy about you know, the pink Mercedes and all that, but no one expected them to, to have such a fall from grace. I mean, obviously no one saw Mercedes, you know, struggling at least by their own standards. And that was obviously the, the changes to the regulations. But... I think we all thought they were going to be up there still battling for probably best of the rest, especially bringing in Seb and just hasn't, yeah, they, they've never really recovered. They didn't have that kind of recovery that Mercedes did of refining the, the time they lost. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if we look back uh, to the beginning of the season, it was pretty evident from Bahrain that there were problems here. Um, we, were, we were really expecting... You know, regular podiums. Well, I certainly was for Aston Martin. I was, you know, I thought that was that was something that was going to be um, possible. Um, but we did have a podium for Aston Martin. It took until Azerbaijan, uh, and it took a double, sorry, a four-time world champion to do this. He started eleventh on the grid. Yes, there was chaos in this race, which contributed to uh, his finishing position. But what a drive from seven Azerbaijan! It really was. Yeah, it was good to see him back up on the podium again. And it was nice to see because 2021 hasn't been Aston's best season. They haven't done that well. But to see Vettel there, that was really good. Well, you could say it's been their only season. True. Very true. <laughs> are we are we calling Aston a new team or, or, or do we as the Formula Nerds consider them still racing point? How, how, how do we look it's at still this? still Jordan. <laughs> to, to me <laughs> or at least Force India yeah, yeah. Force India I was going to say they've. I think they've had about seven different names um, Sebastian Vettel he, he's always been for me a driver that is just is inconsistent um, not in his four time world champion years but ever since you know with Ferrari you don't know if Vettel's going to finish in last or he's going to um, put in an absolutely dominant performance Um we also saw last year some moments of uh, brilliance from Lance Stroll. I'm referring to the Turkish Grand Prix, um, where he, well, he, he qualified on pole, 
and then slowly dripped down the order. But um, what did you guys make of Stroll's performance this year? Any any highlights? Any particular races where you thought, yeah, okay, this man's this this man's really deserves his seat here. I mean, it might be a bit harsh to say, but I feel I I think of him as an upgraded Nikita Mazepin. To be honest with you, <laughs> honestly, <Oof>. I'm. <laughs> Oof. Blimey. Nothing, nothing really impressed me again with Stroll this year. I think he got he got lucky in some races and was able to make the best of some situations. But other than that, again, just not a very impressive year. I am looking at the number of retirements for Lance Stroll, so uh, I'm just going to just make sure I get it right. Um, it's calling out that there's a lot. So he, yeah, he didn't finish in Azerbaijan. Um, he didn't finish in uh, in. Um, Silverstone, great uh, the British Grand Prix. He didn't finish the next race in Hungary, um, and he didn't finish in Brazil, and he didn't finish in Saudi Arabia. Oh no, sorry, he did. Yeah, he's been pretty unlucky. He, I mean, he had the big tire blowout when he could have been on the podium instead of Serbia. I think he was on a he was on an alternate strategy. I think from what I remember in Baku until obviously he had that massive tire blowout and. Yeah, yeah, I think he was involved in the chaos, the the Bottas bowling at the start of Hungary as well. So, yeah, he's you don't really realise that he's had bad luck though because he kind of disappears into the midfield a lot of the time. I think the only way he actually gets decent performances is when he goes long, like when he qualifies kind of back of the midfield and then sticks on a pair of hard tyres, outlasts everyone else and then somehow finishes top of the midfield, like near the top. I think that's the only yeah. time he's ever got good positioning learned from um, Perez didn't he well yeah I'm still angry that they didn't give Checo a seat but he, he went on to bigger and better things anyway but yeah okay uh, anything else to add on Aston M- M- Martin other than that funny moment from their uh, from their livery reveal which I've been saying Aston M- 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 Martin all year and no one ever gets my joke but um Maybe it's because it's not funny. Who knows? So it was from the. Oh, I was wondering what that reference was. What that was. <laughs> when they, so when what they happened did... in the livery reveal? I remember it was really awkward. But... Yes, it was, and and she she wasn't quite sure of the name. So when she read the scriptures, Aston M- 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 Martin. Right. Um, yeah. And that's <laughs> Gemma, why... Gemma Arterton was it? Yeah, it's an actress, right? Yeah. yeah, and that's why I've referenced it all year. Now everyone knows why. Uh, I, I thought I'd save it for this show. Um. <laughs> But do you think we'll see be- bigger and better things for Aston next year, or do you think this is a this is a sign of what's to come? And, and again, I think we have to we have to remember that, that when they decided to go into F one, the twenty twenty two regs were meant to be here already. Do you think that plays any sort of um, a card in their performance, Bridge? I think they'll have a better car. I think Lawrence Stroll has put too much money into making this car that it's not you know it's not not going to be good. Um, I think the only problem they have is on the driver front because like you said before Seb is becoming more inconsistent now. Like you said, you know, you don't know where he's going to storm through the field or if he's going to, you know, not finish or finish last. So and then Lance Stroll, I just don't see any sort of potential of him becoming a world champion. I, I, it might just be me. Uh someone prove me wrong out there if you if you're listening and want to prove me wrong, prove me wrong, but yeah, I I I don't see anything. Special. Well, I don't think there are many Lance Stroll fans, but um, <laughs> James, what, do you, what would you say <laughs> yeah. on that? Uh, I don't know about Lance, but I mean, yeah, the cars are going to be totally different next year, aren't they? So 
I think the one thing you can definitely say about Seb is if he's in a car that suits him, then there are very few people who can beat him. That's obviously what happened at Red Bull. And then he didn't get on board with the new regulations 2014. And that's when Daniel came in and put him in his place. But it, it could be he returns to his best next year. He's, he's not, people seem to think he's in the over 40s category with Fernando and Kimi, but he's, he's 34. He's, he's not ancient. He's still got a few years left in him. He could, yeah, I think he could return to his best like, easily. Uh, I don't know about Lance. And yeah, definitely Lawrence Stroll. That Bond villain of a man is not going to accept anything less than <laughs> <laughs> something better than this year. Next the, year. The, the Bond villain of a man with a Bond villain of a yacht as well. Um, yeah. I, I cast my mind back to the um, Monaco Grand Prix where he had his... Was it? It's a two hundred million pound yacht, isn't it? it it's it's an extortionately right. expensive yacht. Um, it's not even a yacht. It's just it's just a, a hotel on um, on water. Um, Abby. Yeah, I I agree with Bridge. I don't think Stroll will ever be world champion, but I think I would like to see Vettel be more consistent next year. I mean, he's consistent in overtaking other drivers on the grid during races, but. I'm not sure. With a better car, I think they'll do better. I can only hope that they will, but only time will tell. So I know I know Seb was up there with the most overtake for the season. I can't remember if he won it or not, um, that particular... He did. He did, yeah, okay. Yeah. The, the award that I probably wouldn't want to win. Um, he asked on the radio what whether the award was one million jelly beans. That did he? After the race, <laughs> yeah. I missed Which that. I saw someone on a Reddit, other social media is available, saying that it was, they worked out that that would be the equivalent of 7,000 euros, 1 million <laughs> jelly beans. So, oh my God. not that big a prize, really. Why would you spend your time working that out? It's the off Who season, has- Abby. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got to fill three months. <laughs> and this is coming from someone who sat and spent half an hour figuring out the difference between Lewis and Max before the finale. So I'm, I'm on board with this guy and his pointless statistics. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yes, let's just quickly cover his, uh, his, his award of most overtakes of the season. I don't think it's an award to be proud of personally. And I, I think I may have voiced this before on a podcast. Um, because to overtake, it means that you're not in the right position in the first place, right? Or you just spun and you have to make your way back through. Um, I, th- I think it's a bit of an insult, insult of a statistic, personally. Um, you know, if they included within that fact the amount of lapped cars, I'm pretty sure um, Sebastian Vettel would not be at the top of it. Um, Bridge? I think it's it's just an award that looks good on paper. I think <laughs> it lo- it looks good. You know, you've you've overtaken the most cars like that of the season. I think it just looks good on paper to the people who don't really understand F one. <laughs> to the Netflix yeah, yeah. effect uh, viewers. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it, isn't it? Like Lewis and Max literally can't most of the time because all they can do is overtake each other. So that the most you're going to get there is like. 20 over the course of the season. Uh, the season top overtakers, yes. Um, as we've mentioned, Sebastian Vettel with 132 overtakes. Um, that's quite a lot. Uh, Fernando Alonso with 128. So to give you an idea, um, th- those are the sort of the, the, the drivers there. I'm desperately trying to find how many Lewis and Max and those type of people got, just to put, try and put this into um well, Lewis got 20, what, 24 in Brazil alone. But beyond that, 
Yeah, probably not many. Um, but yeah, they, they don't show the bottom, probably because it would make their, their stats look rubbish. Um, yeah. <laughs> it would show a big gaping hole that when you see Lewis Hamilton at the bottom of that championship for the most overtakes. Um, okay, so that was still Aston Martin. In number six in the uh, Constructors' Championships, we had Scuderia Alpha Tauri Honda. Uh, Pierre Gasly, now this is a man, uh, he finished ninth in the championship with 110 points. And Yuki Tsunoda, his first season in F1, finished in 14th with 32 points. Now, that's quite a big difference. <clears throat> That's quite a big difference. I think we all expected a heck of a lot more from Yuki. What do you guys make of these two drivers, James? Yeah, I mean, Yuki, he started well and he ended well. He got, what, fourth in Abu Dhabi. He overtook Alonso and got into the, the top 10 on his on his debut. Just everything in the middle was a bit crap, wasn't it? He crashed a lot, brought a lot of red flags, in, at least in practice and qualifying and... Didn't really live up to the hype, but he's got, I mean, yeah, he's a rookie. He's still arguably the rookie of the season. There's not a lot of competition there. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Pierre clearly carried the team, didn't he? I think we all know that. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of time. I've got a lot of time for Yuki because I, I think he did, I think he did a, a, a good, a, as good a job as anyone really expected him to do. I think, yeah, he was a little bit inconsistent in the middle, but he's a rookie. I mean, you know, he, he could have been Mazepin. I mean, you know, he didn't, he didn't do that badly. You're and really hating on your, the guy you're backing to take the World Championship next year. Well, let's, let's not get it mi mixed up, James. I'm not backing him to win a world <laughs> title. I, I, am, I am backing him to do it a little bit better than this year. But the only way is up for that man, isn't it, really? But, but yeah, he... Um, yeah, and, and Gasly... I felt, yeah, he's been he's been good this year. I wanted a little bit more. Is that okay to say that I wanted a little bit more out of Gasly? Oh, I'm not sure if it is. You know. <laughs> it's just some of these races that he, you know, he qualified top four, top five, and then we saw him disappear during the race. We just we didn't see him on Sunday, and he ended up either back of the points or out of them completely. I mean, I'm just looking through his season. It's difficult when you have drivers finishing so... Uh, sorry, drivers performing so differently. Because if, if you're comparing them, right, um, if we look at their average grid positions, for example, um, Yuki's is, call, call it 12th. It's 11.5, so there isn't one of those. So call, call his average 12th. Um, and obviously, I, I don't even need to say Gasly's because he's always qualifies in 6th. Um, or around there. So that's quite a big difference. And it's it's hard to know if Gasly is just outperforming that car or Sonoda's really letting the, the side down. Um, and again, Gasly, he just always seemed to finish sixth or around sixth. There are a few that uh, he, he didn't do particularly well, if I remember correctly. The Italian Grand Prix, I think that was a DNF actually, was it? Yeah. Yeah, DNF. Um, and the Russian Grand Prix finished in 13th. Um, but then he, then he just had... He, he, uh, 
I, I think Gasly's a hero. I think I'm going to be turned into a bit of a grace. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, so, yeah, what do you guys think? Is it, is it Gasly outperforming or is it Yuki not performing? I think, I think Yuki's given it his best this year. I think there is more of him that we're going to see next year. I can't say a bad word about Gasly. I do like him as a driver. He has done well. Sometimes he hasn't done that well, but he is a good driver overall. I think we just have to put into perspective a little bit. You know, we're comparing Gasly, who was a Red Bull driver and is trying to get back into a Red Bull, and Yuki Tsunoda in his first season of Formula One. In Pierre's first season, he was he was awful. He was awful. It was shocking, and he lost the and he lost the Red Bull drive. And I don't think he's getting that back. Yuki, that wasn't his first season. Oh no, he didn't. That was no, his first right. season with Red Bull. No, you're right. Yeah. Okay. So, first season for Pierre. Let me correct myself. First season for Pierre was decent. Second year was awful. We could see Yuki transform into the next Red Bull driver to replace Checo next year. Not based on their, their performance this year, though. <laughs> Would we agree? They, well, he finished fourth. He finished fourth in the last race of the year and outperformed Pierre in in that in that car. So. Mm. I don't feel like I have a lot of support right now. I, don't, I, I feel no, like no. The, the look on James's face uh, is not of support. It's yeah. of your man. No, no, don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't. I think no. I mean, he could. He could do a lot better next year. Definitely. Uh, I just think you're being overly harsh on Gasly and maybe a little bit overly favourable to to Yuki. But we'll look. see next year. We'll see. So so officially, Bridge is saying. Sonoda World Champion, Mazepin second, right? That's, that's where we've got that on record. Look, I'm not right. Look, Gasly, now, we're, now we're putting words in my mouth now. Now we're putting words in my mouth. But yeah, I th- I'm just not convinced Gasly is going to be a world champion and I feel like everyone else is kind of convinced he's going to be up there. I'm not convinced. I don't think he's, a, I don't think he's a world champion. No. no. I, like, I like Pierre a lot. Uh, I think he, yeah, I mean, he could easily have a... a a new like a second start to his career he's not you said he's going for the red ball seat i'm not sure he's going for the red ball seat uh, i think that that bridge has been burnt and yeah i'm not sure where he is going to go but i think he had his chance and didn't really take it did he i think i think we're being potentially unfair on sonoda we must remember that he's only 8 years old okay it's um <laughs> it, <laughs> He's very young, <laughs> and uh, if he was in a Red Bull, it would look hilarious. Um, Abby, what, what, what was your point that you were going to make then? I was going to agree with Bridge and James. I don't think Gasly is going to be a world champion, especially not with the likes of Lando and Leclerc and then George in the Mercedes. He might get some podiums, potentially some race wins. I don't think he'll be champion, though. You know what's weird? You're saying about Yuki being an eight-year-old, and he obviously looks it. He's three years younger than Max. That's is, all he is. Is he? I didn't He's 21, that. and Max is 24. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. How people can age so differently. <laughs> <laughs> I will say one more thing about Pierre. I feel like he's too comfortable at AlphaTauri. Because he, you know, he when he came in and raced for Toro Rosso in his first year, he was comfortable. Then he moved to Red Bull and there was a lot of pressure on him at Red Bull and he broke. He then moved back to AlphaTauri and he's comfortable again and his results show that. 
So where you're comfortable is where you perform best. But I don't feel like any other team is going to give him that same level of comfort that Alpha Tower get him. Because Alpha Tower, he will always be their number one driver. Wherever else he goes, unless it's Haas, he's going to have to compete for that top spot. So, what yeah. you mean? Because he'd be against Nikita Mazepin and he'd be outperformed. <laughs> I mean, mean, well, no. If he's if he against if he's against Nikita, I mean, it's over already, isn't it? Nikita's got that in the back. But it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, I did find an interesting article um, written by the race, um, and just the headline is actually is, it's quite interesting. Gasly's doing to Sonoda what Verstappen did to Gasly in 2019. Would you agree with that? Bridge doesn't. Do you want to take this bridge? <laughs> I'm still deciding. You go first. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe a little bit. Uh, Max was a little bit more extreme than that. Yeah, you know, he he was lapping him, wasn't he? But <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> I can see where they're coming from. It's a it, bit it's hard. quite a, it's quite a broad broad comparison, isn't it? Um, yeah. Bridge, did you have a think about that one? I, mean, I don't think I can really disagree with that, to be honest. I, I don't think there's any way around that. It's a bit extreme, yeah. So, Pierre's podium uh, this year. James, would you like to tell us uh, what, what your thoughts were on that? Well, it's just the, the Baku mayhem again, but he was there when he needed to be in the right place at the right time. Same as Monza 2020 when he got his win and same as uh, Brazil 2019 where he got his first podium. You can't really fault him. He, he delivered when he had the chance. I mean, he couldn't get past Seb, though, in a, in a worse Aston Martin. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm just, that's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. There was a double DNF for Alpha Tower in Italy earlier in the year. Um, Abby, what, what happened to them there? Because that's uh, no team wants a double DNF, do they? No, that's probably one of the worst things that could happen. So Yuki had a problem with his brakes, so he didn't actually get to start the race. And then Gasly had a system issue, so he never finished it. Oh dear, bless him. Bless him. Um, okay. Alpha Tauri, anything else to add? <clears throat> I don't think we've done them much justice. I think we've covered everything. I mean, yeah, I can I can speak some more trash about Pierre. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, <laughs> just let a bridge just vibe for another five minutes. So. Is there anyone Bridge does like apart from bloody Nikita? Charles Leclerc. Charles, Charles Leclerc is my boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, Man right. on to uh, the team that finished fifth in the championship. This was Alpine uh, with Fernando Alonso, the double world champion, returning back to the sport this year. He finished in 10th with 81 points, um, notably less than Gasly, yet the team finished high. Uh, and Esteban Ocon with his first race win in his career. Uh, he finished uh, in 11th with 74 points, so only, only a little bit behind the double world champion. But, wow, where, where do we start with these two? Should we, should we start with Alonso? Because um, it, was, it was the return of a previous GOAT um, of the sport, uh, a very well-known man, and he had some cracking performances in this season. Um, which one stand out to you guys? Abby? I have to say, in Hungary, when he was defending against Hamilton to let Ocon extend the lead and keep Lewis behind him, that was an amazing performance by Alonso. 
Yeah, the, the, I mean, Lewis and Alonso, there's a bit of history there. And, oh boy, did it come bubbling back up. There was no way Lewis was just going to pop past uh, Alonso, no matter what it was for. And I think that was a sort of a theme of the season, even when it came to blue flags, even when it came to the last race of the year. Alonso's not going to say, yep, come through, Lewis, mate. Come on, I'll help you win. He never does. It was, I think, even when he was in the one of the worst McLarens, I, it was Mexico, maybe twenty seventeen, I want to say. But he was battling with Lewis there as he was coming back through from a puncture or something in a car that was maybe second worst in the field. He, he sees that well, formerly yellow, now purple helmet in his in his wing mirror as he just he becomes a different animal. I mean, not that he lets many people pass, but he just he, yeah, he really doesn't like to let Lewis pass him, does he? He's just one of the last kind of dying breed of pure race drivers that, you know, he doesn't care who's behind him or who's in front of him. He will chase and he will defend, you know, no matter what he does, you know, Fernando Alonso will be, you know, one of those last race of drivers, pardon the pun, that is truly great, in my opinion. So they, they were really, really closely, I'd say, matched actually throughout the season. Um, if, we're, if we're taking a look at the averages, um, the average grid position um, for Alonso was, call it 11th, it was 10.5 again. Um, and Ocon was uh, 10.6. So in terms of qualifying, it's, it's, it's the closest matchup. I think we've, we've one of the closest matchups we've got. Um, in terms of finishing positions, right, again, averaging it, the finishing um, result uh, for Alonso was 9.05, right? Don't tell me how this has worked out. I'm just reading it. Um, and uh, Esteban Ocon was 9.16. So these two were very evenly matched. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Fernando took a little bit of time to get going, didn't he? Uh, it was a little bit slow off the mark, and then he kind of, as the season went on, he... he found his way again. And yeah, they seem to make a really good team. Considering, you know, Fernando's sketchy history with teams and teammates and Esteban had a few run-ins with Checo as well, didn't he? They they seem to be genuinely supportive and there was no friction or anything. We'll see if it's any different if they get nearer the front, but yeah. But back, back to Bridges' point about you perform best when you're comfortable. Um which isn't true, by the way, because I'm really comfortable right now, but I've made a meal out of this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> however, um, Alonso, obviously, it's Alpine, it's it's Renault, um, which is where he won, well, he had the most success in his career. Um, do you think that had a part to play in it? I think for sure, yeah. I think as a returning great, I don't think there was much pressure on him to perform. No one really expect. you know, he's 40 years old. You know, he's... he's for a 40-year-old, he's, he's performed brilliantly. For any age, he's performed brilliantly. So, especially in Alpine, and the, and the fact he's managed to beat a rising up-and-comer like Esteban Ocon is brilliant. And I think they've got like a father-son vibe going on, which I really like. It's really it's really refreshing to see well, in a paddock. So. Anyone would if they're racing with Alonso. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if it was Yuki, it'd be a grand, it'd be a great-grandson <laughs> vibe. Um, uh, Abby, what did you think about these two? Yeah, I really enjoyed watching them this season. And like we said, they are equal. I think they're going in with qualifying they both out-qualified each other the same number of times. And 
Yes, Alonso had a rocky start. He wasn't that great in terms of where he finished, but he did get used to it. He got into a rhythm and it was great to see them. It really was. And this isn't, this is off track, but one part that I really liked seeing Alonso and Ocon was when they played Mr. and Mr. with Sky Sports and seeing the camaraderie and the teamwork and that. It was just great to see them bonding off track as well. I've got to say, I, did, I didn't see that. Um, I will try and go back and find it. When, when Sky tend to play these sorts of, um, how can I put this? Quirky games, I tend to lose interest sometimes. A bit like when they race the cars around the uh, paddock, the remote control ones, that is. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I will give them credit for the Carlos and Lando with the milk, because that was one of the best things I've ever watched. That was hilarious. <laughs> that really was. And if we look back, we've, 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 touched, we've touched on it briefly, but Esteban Ocon got the first race win of his career in Hungary. Um, some people may call this luck. Some people may call this right place, right time. What do you guys think it was? I mean, whatever it was, the celebration was pretty damn wild, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely right place, right time. It, was, it, was, it had Pierre um, Monza vibes. But... Um, but yeah, no, it it was good, and he and he managed to he managed to maintain the gap. Uh, I think he 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 was outpacing um, Carlos Sainz and managed to keep that gap. And then when Lewis was coming up behind him, he kept his cool. So all all credit to him. He, you know, he he showed that he's a race a previous race winner. Um, you know, lower down the ranks. So yeah, credit to him. Uh, yeah, I think he he got his opportunity and he took it. He held you know Seb off and withstood that pressure for yeah 50 odd laps and when it's your first opportunity for a win I think that 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 takes some guts and yeah I mean Alpine were a weird one weren't they because some races they looked like potentially best of the rest like up there with Ferrari and McLaren and then some races they just disappeared yeah I mean Alonso um again I I've I'm not sure if we mentioned it, but obviously he had his first podium in his return to F1 in Qatar. Um, and he, he's confident that this team can compete in the top three next year. I mean, uh, I didn't think Alonso was going to make much of a good return to F1, but he's proven me wrong. So um, I'm not going to argue with him on this one, if, if that's what he's saying. I mean, yeah, I mean, top three is maybe a little bit, a <laughs> little bit out there, but a little, yeah, a little bit out there. But you know, they have the money. They have the money. Renault have the money to to at least try and compete. Um, and I think they have the driver pairing to to maybe challenge uh, Ferrari and McLaren next year. Um, if that is you know third and fourth, best of the rest. But um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, anyone could be next year's Braun. That's the thing. They could be Mazepin. <laughs> yeah, apart from him. Um, and Alonso, he's, uh, I believe he came in this year with a one year contract. We do know that he's staying with us next year as well. Um, I, I recall last year, maybe, maybe around this time, we did a show with uh, Jenny Gao um, and her husband, uh, Jamie, who, uh, yeah, it is Jamie. And her husband, Jamie, who is the producer for Sky Sports F1. And me and Jamie agreed that Alonso was going to have a terrible season. He was too old and he should give uh, the younger people a chance. Jenny was 
fuming at both of us for this, saying that we had no idea what we're talking about. Alonso's a goat, and he will prove us all wrong and get a podium. Jenny, I know that you listened occasionally to this show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You were right. I was wrong. Cool. That's got to go at the start, surely. That's got to, that's got to be our intro. I was right. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to get that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll probably edit that bit out. Um, <laughs> How's that pie? Is it humble? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't taste good. Um, but yeah, I think um, very, very good season for Alpine, all in all. Um, let's not forget they are Renault. So there's, it's not like they were a new team this year. It's just a rebrand. Um, so Bridge, you now think that Alpine are going to win the championship next year. Stop putting stuff in my mouth. <laughs> Are we just going up the list and every every positive I give to say, oh yeah, no, world champions, yeah. 100%. Yeah, world yeah. We'll yeah. add that Bridge. one. <laughs> we just, we'll be able to draw on them though. So like in one year's time, we'll be pick one of these and be like, well, Bridge yeah, well, called it. Bridge said it. Bridge said it, yeah. Talk, talking of season predictions, actually, you've just reminded me, James. Um before this season, I don't think you were with the Formula Nines at this point, but you made some predictions. Um, and today you've, you, you've revealed that James's predictions that came true. Yeah. Well, which ones were they? Yeah, I mean, I genuinely forgot that I did them until I was just updating my, uh, my own blog at some point earlier today and then remembered, yeah, I picked Verstappen as champion. Controversy aside, that's obviously what the, the record... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Say. He, is, he, he is world champion yep yeah surprise winner was Daniel Ricciardo so that's come off surprise podium was Hulk and he didn't get in a car so we'll gloss over that one but I'm, I'm pretty happy with the first two your surprise winner of Daniel Ricciardo that that is um I'll, I'll give you that one I wouldn't have predicted it um so yeah fair play and I mean that just is a beautiful segue into the team that finished fourth in the championship, which was McLaren Mercedes with 275 points. Should they have finished third? No. Yes. <laughs> right, so we're going to be adjudicator here for Abby and Bridge for the next two teams. Go on, Abby. It's, it's your team. I'll let you go first. No, I... Yeah, I... Hang on. I mean, with Ferrari, you have Sainz and you have Leclerc. And then, obviously, Ricardo is an excellent driver. But I don't think, I don't really think McLaren should have finished third. I don't think they would have got there. And obviously, they didn't. Um, I feel like maybe next year they could. I think Ricardo needs a bit more time to settle into the papaya car. But, yeah, Bridge is obviously going to support Leclerc and Ferrari, like always. I mean, look, I said at the start of the season, Ricardo for me, his time, his time has passed for him to be up there among the best. I think he's not, you know, he, he showed it, he did show it when he was in the Red Bull that he could compete, but then he got outed by Max, who is now world champion in the very team that he left. So that's a bit of a bit of a kick in the teeth for him. But um, but yeah, I, th- I feel like I feel like Ricardo's Ricardo's lucky to win a race at this point and then Lando until about halfway through the season I thought this guy's going to be a future world champion this guy is a future world champion he races like it he, he you know he's got a, a Alonso type of vibes 
And then he lost in Sochi. And for some reason he took his, I feel like he took his foot, foot off the gas a little bit. I think he lost, he lost his head after losing. It was a very heartbreaking loss. But I feel like he lost his head and it took him a couple races to recover. And then he started saying, you know, in media interviews, oh, no, I'm not going to bother, you know, racing the people behind me because I know they're going to overtake me anyway. I'm just going to focus on the red cars. And to me, that's not, that's not racing. That's not racing for me. You know, if you, can, if you can get fourth and hold the guy behind you, no matter what, what it does to your tyres, you do it. You know, I want to keep fourth. Fourth is my position. I'm going to keep it. Not, not if Lewis is behind me or Bottas or whatever. Um, so yeah, that is my problem with Lando. Um, but yeah, I didn't think they were going to get any higher than fourth anyway this year because the red cars are back. Said like a true Tifoso. <laughs> what a rant. That was a rant and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Drop the mic, mate. There we go. I'm out. <laughs> Abby, follow that. I think, I think you have a point. Out of the four of them... Ricardo is the one who maybe won't do as well. I think, I mean, Science is the most consistent driver this year. He's finished every race. And I think apart from two races, he finished in the points, I believe. So he is definitely, he's found his ground at Ferrari and he is going to do well. I still think Lando could be world champion though someday. I really do. I get what you're saying about like letting Lewis and that pass. He should defend in that. But his race at the time wasn't with them. It was with Ferrari. So he needed to make sure that, yes, he he needed to make sure that his tyres were okay to defend Science and defend Leclerc, not necessarily Lewis. James, what are you going to say? I'm going to back you up. Uh, let's all gang up on bridge. I think yeah. I think Lando is a potential future champion. I think definitely, yeah. I agree that he, he probably took Russia pretty hard and had a couple of not so great races in the immediate aftermath but he was he was also really unlucky towards the end of the season i mean he was what a legitimate force chasing down alonso i think in qatar when he got the 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 puncture the slow puncture whatever it was and he also had a puncture at the end of abu dhabi which cost him a top 5 and i think there was something in saudi arabia as well oh the red flag in Saudi Arabia, screwed him over when he was there. He could have had another, you know, easily another 40 points in the last three races, which would have taken him comfortably fifth. And then would you look at that differently, Bridge? I mean, you you say luck. I, I say bad strategy. I mean, it's... You know, <laughs> oh, what? Strategy, strategically got a puncture. <laughs> look, okay. Norris, yes, has potential. But every driver, you could say, you know... 10 out of the Mazepin. 20 people... Yeah, yeah Mazepin's <laughs> up there. But 10 out Obviously. of the 20 people on this grid have the potential, yes, I'm using quotation marks again, to be the world champion. You know, Max said it himself. But I just don't think he has a world championship mentality. I, and I, I think he showed that. Well, I mean, Russia, the Sochi Grand Prix. Let's just touch on this, because it, it was... It was, as, as we've sort of um, said, it was a bit of a turning point. Um, so we've got Norris leading the race. This, he's on his way to his first F1 victory, which, by the way, is long overdue. I don't care what anyone says. He should have won a race by now. He's been, God, has he been close, but it just hasn't happened. This was the time. 
he was it that his lack of experience here that cost him that race? Was it a bad decision? Um, I mean, it, I know it was a while ago now, so everyone's trying to desperately remember exactly what happened. Um, but him not changing those tyres cost him that race. Bridge. I mean, it was a 50-50 call, to be honest, and both teams left it up to the drivers. Well, until until Mercedes told Lewis to come in. Yes, it wasn't her. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and, and yeah, and it was it was Lando's fault because he was told pretty much all the information. But I, I'm I think I'm remembering that McLaren had a little bit less kind of weather. Yeah, they hadn't about. figured out that the rain was coming that Mercedes had apparently. I'm yeah, remembering. yeah, but um, but yeah, it was a it was a fifty fifty risk I think, and it it just didn't pay off for Lando. So I think it's mainly just inexperienced that cost him that one and I think you know he, he found that very hard to swallow I think you can look at it both ways he he was flawless for what 95% of the race and showed all the maturity and it's very rare that you get those absolute last minute downpours for the last five laps and yeah then maybe it was an experience uh, maybe he could have got more information from the team as well but it's all going to be about yeah how he bounces back from that I th- I think he's got it. I think he's got it in him. Yeah, I do. I mean, we did have tears though from Lando, didn't we? I, I saw, I saw some, um, some, some very puffy eyes during those those interviews. It, it clearly, clearly destroyed him. Um, on merit, he, he he sort of won that race, in my opinion. So when we're saying Daniel Ricciardo um, won a race and Lando didn't, I, I think it's an unfair comparison, really. Um, statistically, it's correct, but. Um, who was the most sort of consistent driver of this year? It was very easily Lando, um, and yeah, he 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 really outperformed um, Danny Rick. So, one of you, I can't remember. I think it was you, it would have been Newbridge who said he's too old. He's lost his time, right? Um, do you really think that? Um, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I do think that. And do you think it's poor decisions in his career that's led him down this path, i.e. Uh, choosing to leave Red Bull, which I'm not sure it was as quite as clear-cut as, as we're told, um, moving to... Where did he go after that? Renault. Renault. Um, which obviously didn't work out very well either. Um, you know, Has it just been a, a few bad routes that he's taken in his career? Because... He has he has the materials of a world champion. It's they just haven't seemed to have come together yet. I mean, yeah, he he came on the scene. You know, he came on the scene at Red Bull and beat out Sebastian Vettel, a four-time world champion, and then um, a young rookie called Max Verstappen came along and put him in his place. Well, put him in his place. They, they had a few touches along the way, and I think that was his first mistake was leaving Red Bull. Because he kind of folded and gave, you know, gave Horner and Max the permission to carry on without him. You know, if if he chose to stay and battle out with Max, we might have seen, you know, another Red Bull driver be be a world champion before Max. But yeah, and then Renault was just unfortunate. I think uh, I, I don't know what happened with with Renault at all. <laughs> He just wanted out, didn't he? And Renault was the only real place he could go that 
well, paid him a lot of money for one and would maybe come good on the potential that they showed. But he just, he wanted out, he didn't he? It was after Baku and the crash when they all backed Max in what was at best a 50-50 situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's uh, yeah at best like you said. Um, it, it was it was it was Horner. Uh, it was it was um, yeah it was the Max effect. And there seems to be a lot of Max effect if if we're looking through Max's career. Um, okay, so I, I think all in all, if we look at McLaren's performance this year, it was pretty good compared to what we sort of benchmarked them. Um, clearly that Mercedes engine's done some great things. Well, what do you guys think for McLaren next year? Because I think <clears throat> I think no one knows what McLaren are going to be or any team are going to be next year. But if I had to guess who was going to be a regular po- podium, uh, which car was going to be regularly on the podium, uh, I, I'd put McLaren on it. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that they're going to do well next year. I'd like to think so, but I hope they do. And I feel like they are the team that is going to do well and get podiums. Hopefully Lando can get a race win. I'm hoping he can. But we will see. So third in the championship. Bridge, uh, who, who, who was that? The Tafosi are back, guys. They're back. <laughs> In bronze. It's so, I'm so happy to have them back where they belong in the top three. It's just, it's amazing. It's amazing to see them. It is amazing to see it. I agree with you. Um, I didn't predict it. Um, I tell you who did predict. When we spoke to Karun Chandok just before this season, um, he said Ferrari will be finishing third. And I remember myself and Callum looked at him like, you're mad, mate. You should know what you're talking about. You work in F1. Um, But he called it. He, he he knew this was coming. And this has been, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the closest teammates battle that we've had um, throughout any team so far. Uh, these two were really, really level. So you, you might remember earlier in the show, if you, if you uh, were paying attention at the time, I gave you some of these uh, average finish position and grid position stats. Um, here, here we have them for these two. So uh, Charles Leclerc's average grid position was 6.45. Um, Carlos Sainz's was 7.9. That's not particularly interesting. However, the average finish position is... Um, so Charles Leclerc was 6.6 and Carlos Sainz was 6.5. It is interesting, yeah, because it I just doesn't get more consistent than that. In, terms, really of, in terms of getting... You know, that third place position, which is what we were aiming for at the start of the year. You know, you can't get more consistent than what... um, Carlos Sainz has been brilliant this year. A lot of people thought that he'd come in and be kind of, you know, a a very secure second to Charles Leclerc. And he's come in and and been brilliant. You know, you can't really complain about the performance of either driver. I was expecting expecting a little bit of resistance, but none. (laughs) We're just shocked into submission at this point. We assumed that you were going to say that something ridiculous, like something you know, ridiculous. I only speak the truth, James. That's what I only speak yeah. the truth. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll, well, we'll see about that next year. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I think Carlos exceeded expectations. I, I will say, I, I did think he was going to do better than most people were just yeah expecting him to be a number two because everyone seems to forget that he basically matched Max for 
the first what year and five races they were together at Toro Rosso. And then because he had like a not one not great season at Renault where he got beaten by Hulk, everyone wrote him off. And you know, some cars don't mix with some drivers, as we've seen from Danny Rick this year. And he proved his worth as soon as he went to McLaren. And I think everyone's now realized how good Carlos and Lando both were at McLaren. It wasn't a case of the car flattering them. Now, there were some um, real highlights uh, when we're talking about these two. Um, Charles Leclerc, two pole positions. Um, You're against, well, we know who they're against, right? It's not easy to get a pole position in a Ferrari against the people they're against. Um, Bridge, being a a Leclerc fanboy and a Ferrari fanboy, how did these two poles make you feel? First one was... Utterly heartbreaking. Utterly heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. Because, because <laughs> he put in an, a brilliant lap. And this is Monaco you're referring Monaco, to. Monaco, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm referring to Monaco. Charles put in an unbelievable lap. And then, for some reason, decided to try again. And then put it in the wall. You know, there's, there is a famous saying, I think Crofty says it, that on that particular corner, I can't remember what the corner's called, but every single Grand Prix in Monaco, someone always bins it in that wall. Every someone, There is someone every single year that does it. It's usually um, Max Verstappen, isn't it? It I, is I, usually I, Max. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and then obviously Azerbaijan, another brilliant, another brilliant lap again, but then just didn't have the race pace to finish it off. So to see them, just to see them back on top, though, is brilliant. Just to see a red car ahead of the rest is, is good enough for me. So why didn't Carlos Sainz have any um, po- uh, any uh, pole positions, James? Qualifying's never really been his forte, is it? He's more he's been well. I say that he he and Lando were pretty level, but it's it's never been where he stood out. He's just he infamously basically never gets shown on camera throughout the entire race, and then suddenly he's fifth or fourth, and you didn't really realise how it happened. Yeah, you've actually nailed that. That's so true. He's, he's like the ghost car, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Carlos Sainz, he, he, his grid position was over the, uh, you know, as an average, lower than uh, Leclerc, but he finished higher in the championship. And, I mean, I say higher. There was 6.5 points between them, so it's not much higher. Um I'd say it's a solid year for Ferrari, a solid year for the two drivers as well. Uh, what a what a performance to beat McLaren when they have been so consistent as well. Yeah, no, it, it just showed why we're better, to be honest. It just showed it. <laughs> Abby, do you have a rebuttal? Uh, they're equal, I think. Not by the time. I mean, they're not. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> no, uh, I think like... you're wrong. <laughs> Officially not. I mean, Lando <laughs> finished higher than Leclerc in the standings, only by one point, but still, he's finished higher. But no, Ferrari have done amazing, and to see them both, they have had really high points finishes this year. Science got some podiums, he's been really consistent, and Leclerc is an amazing driver, we all know that. It's been great to see them, and I have enjoyed the Ferrari-McLaren battles that we have seen this year. I'm hoping for a few more in 2022, so hopefully we will get some of them, but Ferrari have done amazingly. Yeah, no, I agree, and I mean, yeah, I think 
Carlos did fantastically this year, like we've said, but Charles was very unlucky as well. He had, I mean, yeah, you can call it what you want in Monaco. Obviously, he put it in the wall, but then Ferrari said that he was safe to go out. Either way, he was unlucky not to be able to even start the race, I think you can say undeniably there. He's had quite a lot. I'm sure Bridge remembers him, remembers him far more intently than I do, where he's been unlucky in races. I mean, it, the fact he finished in seventh is just is a little bit heartbreaking for me because I've got it down here. Uh, in 18 out of the 22, oh, sorry, 14 out of the 22 races, Charles beat his teammate and he still ended up two places below him in the in 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 the drivers championship. So I think that just kind of sums up how unlucky Charles was this year. Um but he has he's proven he's quick and he's proven he has world championship material. You know, last year Ferrari had five top uh top four finishes and Charles was every single one of them. And then this year Ferrari have had 12 top four finishes. We're on the we're on the way up. We are on the way up and we are coming. Mercedes and Red Bull. All right, we are on our way. I'm sure uh, Christian and Toto are quaking in their boots. <laughs> They're listening. They're listening. They're worried. They're worried. Toto will be scared of anything right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as we're recording this, um, Leclerc has been, um, it's been announced he's tested positive for COVID. So we hope um, that he is better soon. Um, could Ferrari win the world championship next year yes a hundred percent a hundred percent could a ferrari driver win their drivers championship next year yes 100%. right so to recap <laughs> charles world champion sonoda second mazapin third sounds about right to me yeah that's, yep. uh, that's yep. what's gonna happen yep. yeah yeah if anyone wants to make a trip to Labrooks right now, uh, take take my word. Take my word for it. I think Bridges. What I've noticed is anything is possible. Um, it, do, it doesn't matter. What I agree it with is. that. Next yeah. year, yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, they have been. Ferrari have been reporting that they have something cooking in Maranello, and that is a world championship. And you know, it, it, it's. They've always liked to say that, though. They always used to do the kind of headline making times during testing and then not be quite as good when it came to the actual season though didn't they what a bit like Sonoda this year <laughs> look I'm allowed to I thought it. he was going to win the world championship after testing <laughs> <laughs> look I've, I've been I've been without a championship since 2007 I'm allowed to dream alright I'm allowed to dream absolutely man absolutely uh, I'm going to be honest uh, I think uh, and based on no fact whatsoever, really. But I, I, it, it, my gut tells me the Ferrari turn, return is near. Um, it's a new era. They've got they've got all the resources they resources they could want. They they had all the money they could want. Obviously, they're now limited. But I think um, for Ferrari need to sell a few more road cars, and to do that, they need to win the world championship. That's my personal opinion. I think if anyone's going to shock us next year, it's Ferrari. Whatever happens next year, I hope that Carlos gets a win, as well as Lando. I think they both deserve it. And because Carlos is creeping up that most races without a win stat with the, the charts now, I've noticed. 
he's getting dangerously high. He's, he's obviously not going to do a, a Hulkenberg and never get a podium, but he's overdue a win, I think. Yeah, I agree. I would like to see both Lando and Carlos get podiums next year and a win and I think they can I think Ferrari and McLaren are definitely going to be very strong in 2022 Indeed I mean we have both of them on the podiums this year I think get used to that get used to that site and that's been our bottom eight teams that we have reviewed here with our bottom 16 drivers in the next show we are going to cover the top two teams Mercedes and Red Bull and the top four drivers within them. That's going to be a show riddled with spice. And we, we, I think we've got through this whole episode without saying the word spice once so far. Yeah. Which is an amazing achievement for this team. Because um, our listeners do pick up on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, to those who have listened and appreciated the the the, the reduction in the use in, in the use of the word spice, you're welcome. Thank you for joining me, guys. No worries. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Our next episode is going to be out on Christmas Day, where we do the part two season review. Um, so it's going to be a Christmas present. All of our opinions on everything that went on, you can hear on Christmas Day. Spoiler alert, we're not recording it on Christmas Day. It's just being published on Christmas Day. So we will be back then. Uh, thank you again, Bridge, for your um, well, your predictions for the, for the future of F1. I mean, it's, it's, it's groundbreaking. I like to cover all bases. I like to cover off all possible possibilities. <laughs> so you all are possible possibilities. All possible. You can patent that. All possible possibilities are covered by bridge. Uh, James, thank you for being our level-headed, uh, sensible, realistic panel member. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> and Abby, um, thank you for being a McLaren fan and uh, being against Bridge. That's all right. It's good it's fun battling against him. <laughs> Yes, because you will always win, I think. That, that, it's always fun when you win, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> that is all we've got time for. We'll be back on Christmas Day. Goodbye. Goodbye.